Hi, Journey. How y'all doing? Great to see every single one of you, especially if you're a guest. We're really, really honored to have you here with us today. I want to say Happy New Year to all of you. Did you ring it in in significant fashion? Whoa. You all slept through it. That's what it feels like. A stark reality about 2014 for me that I woke up to the other day. 2014 is the year that I will turn 40. Whoa. Whoa, that is stark, isn't it? So we're talking about creating margin in our lives, creating breathing room in our lives, because so many people just don't have enough breathing room, do they? So many people, frankly, don't have any breathing room, and we need some. We need a lot, actually. God intends for us to have breathing room. God made us with the need for breathing room, whether it be in physical energy, in financial resources, with time, with emotional energy. Last week we talked about creating physical margin. We talked about eating well, sleeping well, exercising our bodies well, and how all of that actually has a spiritual component, a spiritual root to it. It's rooted and established spiritually in us, eating well, sleeping well, exercising our bodies well, has a spiritual component to it. I bumped into a few of my physical trainer friends this week at the gym, They told me that they saw some of you and heard from some of you at the gym and you were talking to them about last weekend's message and how you were setting about in the first week of the year applying that to your life so that you could hopefully create some physical margin in your life. And I just want to say way to go those of you who took those steps. The gym or at least some form of physical exercise program is part of creating margin, in particular physical margin for sure. Today we're going to turn our attention, though, to the area of margin that a guy named Dr. Richard Swenson, who wrote a book called Margin, which is resourcing uh, my sermon prep for this whole series, what Dr. Swenson calls the paramount category of margin, which is our emotional energy, our emotional resources. Emotional margin is the paramount category of margin in our lives. If we get this one right, then a whole bunch of other areas in our lives are going to go really, really well. And that shouldn't be a surprise to any of us, should it? We intuitively know that when we're emotionally resilient, we have the ability to confront the challenges of life with a great sense of hope and strength. However, we also know that when our emotional stores are depleted, we're weak, right? Emotional overload often saps our strength, paralyzes our resolve, maximizes our vulnerability, which leaves the door wide open to further erosion of our margin, in particular, our emotional margin. And that's great that we can know that, that emotional margin is of paramount importance. But yet, even in the face of that reality, so many people have very, very little emotional stamina. Lots and lots of people walking around planet Earth today are just chronically drained. You know that feeling? being chronically drained, relationships, it's no wonder why they're chronically drained, relationships are broken, finances are insecure, schedules are burdened to the breaking point, which when you combine all of that, it feels a lot like a chainsaw ripping through our spirits, just chronically, emotionally depleted. One pastor said it this way, when we string ourselves out, and how many of us do that, we string ourselves out, expending 100% of our time and energy, there's no way that we can adjust to the unexpected. We become defensive about our expended energies 
because there isn't anything left to give. Having nothing then in reserve, we tune out the needs around us because we're just stuck in survival mode. And how many times have you done that? You've seen a need and your heart is inclined toward that need and you really know like, I think this is an assignment, I think this is a nudge, I think this is a prompting from God. God's tapping me on the shoulder, but I just don't have anything to give. I can't do anything about this need because I'm just completely tapped out. And it should never be that way for any of us, especially we who follow Jesus Christ. Now here's how it works. Every single day that we wake up, we have a certain amount of emotional energy in our tank. Now for some people, they wake up every day and their emotional tank is full to like overflowing. It's splashing over the edges, right? A whole bunch of other people, however, wake up every single day and that tank is nearly empty, like running on fumes. Some people whose tanks are full, they're like Gumby people, right? Flexible, you know who Gumby is, right? Flexible, resilient, always filled with zest and vitality. Others, though, whose tanks are empty, they're dragging the bottom. They can barely remember what it even feels like for them to smile, right? And the amount of emotional energy that we wake up with each day, it isn't a fixed amount. It's constantly changing depending on the environment that we're in. It is a finite amount. No one, and I mean no one, has infinite capacity for emotional expenditures. And when our emotional energies are depleted, they're gone. They're depleted. And when they're depleted, and when we continue to make further withdrawals, what's that called? Debt, right? We go into emotional debt status. And when there's no emotional margin, and when we go into debt status emotionally, what happens? We feel pain. Often we begin to feel pain at even dangerous levels, don't we? And every single person in the world needs to understand at any given moment of any given day the status of their emotional reserves. Where am I emotionally? The emotional gauge on the dashboard of my life, what is it reading? It's crucial that we know how much emotional energy we have at the beginning of every single day and what and who in our lives drains our emotional tanks dry. Do you know who those people are? And do you know what those things are that drain your emotional energy? You, you should know that and you should know exactly who and what that is. Just like you should also know who and what it is that recharges and restores emotional energy to us. We gotta know what our emotional limits are and we have to make sure that we're not withdrawing from our emotional bank account when we're already depleted. And just like we need to know where we stand at any given day, it's vital to respect the emotional limits in other people's lives. When somebody tells you that they're emotionally tapped out and they cannot engage in this conversation right now because they just don't have the emotional energy, we should respect that. And some people struggle with that concept. Some people struggle with the idea of rationing emotional energy. But it is a principle that would do us all well to run on. It's a principle I try to live my life by. It's a principle I try to lead journey by and through. I very often give people time and give people space to check their emotional energy tanks before I press in with them about something very, very difficult. Because oftentimes I can just see it in their face. I can look at them and say, I can tell there is nothing in the emotional tank and I just gotta let this sit with them for a while. 
they can't engage in this with me right now, and so we're just going to leave it for now. I know people do this with me. I know people have hard things that they need to say to me, and sometimes they just look at my face, and they're like, whoa, Hopkins, it's empty. He's empty, and so they say, we'll talk about this later. I do that with my wife. I can tell, you know, this is not a good time to talk to her about something hard. She does it with me. And I don't think that giving someone time to replenish or check their emotional energy tanks before plunging into a difficult subject with them, I don't think that's called dodging the issue. I don't think that's called ignoring reality. I don't think that's called sweeping things under the rug. I think it's called emotional health. I think it's called rationing emotional energy, which leads to emotional health over the long haul. And quantifying feelings for a whole bunch of people is really, really difficult, especially if you're a male, right? Even talking about feelings, let alone quantifying feelings, can be a very, very difficult thing. We feel very often embarrassed. Sometimes we're even ashamed, admitting that our spirit is exhausted. It feels like our spirit is collapsing within us. We're just embarrassed. We're supposed to be tough, right? Strong. Come on, buck up. We struggle with admitting when it's all crumbling down around us. But understand this. Our or anyone else's hesitancy to ration emotional energy in no way constitutes proof that such limits are only fiction for the weak or for the lazy. Admitting in a moment that you don't have the emotional energy to tackle that is not weakness. It's not laziness. It's not ignoring the issue. It's not sweeping anything under the rug. Instead, our hesitancy along with others is only an obstacle to overcome because what's true is that life is a marathon. It is not a sprint. And living in sprint fashion for 60, 70, 80 years will lead to emotional burnout. If you got a Bible or a smartphone with a Bible app on it, will you open it up to the book of 1 Peter chapter 5, if you would. And in the biblical book of 1 Peter, the apostle Peter, he's writing words of commendation to Christians about standing firm in your faith in Jesus Christ. He talks about how there are forces of evil and darkness that come against we who trust Christ and we must be vigilant in our faith, standing firm, unwavering in Christ so that the world sees Jesus in us so that we're not behaving poorly in the face of adversity, so that we're not diminishing the reputation of Jesus Christ. I'd say that the entire book of 1 Peter is worthy of your time, but in particular, Peter lands the entire letter with a doxology, which is just a fancy way to say a prayer, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. He's nearing the very end of his whole letter, and look at what Peter writes. In his kindness, that's God's kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. That's Peter's prayer for people just like us about you and I standing firm in the face of adversity, in the faces of difficulty, in the face of days when we're emotionally drained and depleted, when relationships are broken and strained, when finances are insecure, when schedules are burdened to the breaking point. 
Peter prays these very words for people just like us. And notice how he launches his prayer. He starts out his whole prayer with this fantastic theological reflection. In his kindness, Peter writes. In his kindness. Peter's saying, look, God is so incredibly kind to you and to me. God is so incredibly gracious to all of us. God is so incredibly merciful. And in his mercy, in his forgiveness, he's done this spectacular thing, and that's call us into relationship with him. He's called us into relationship with him all through his son, Jesus Christ. And you didn't do anything to earn that mercy or kindness. We like to think maybe we did, like, yeah, maybe I was, no. Didn't do anything to earn that mercy or kindness. It is completely, totally, entirely, the word is unmerited, undeserved. None of us deserved it. We couldn't do anything to earn it. A lot of us are trying real hard, trying to prove to God that we're good enough. Come on. Uh Uh-uh. God has simply chosen to make us his people. He's chosen to invite us to share in his eternal glory all because of Jesus Christ. That's astounding. And because of his kindness, God has actually appointed we who are his followers to that, to his eternal glory. That's the thrust of the whole of 1 Peter, as a matter of fact. Peter's trying to portray, he's trying to paint for us the future hope, what's coming someday, the hope that's coming someday, someday, the hope of glory for all of we who are Christ's followers. Because you see, it's the hope of what's coming someday that sees us through all the difficulty we're facing right now. All the emotionally draining circumstances of this present life, and it's just sucking on us, isn't it? All the emotional expenditures that we make in a day, everything that we're like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can handle one more thing. It's the hope of glory that sees us through all of that, that chronically drained feeling that so many people have, relationships that are busted up and smashed, finances that are in a mess, schedules that are overloaded, 2x, 3x of what our capacity is. And Peter says in his prayer, in his doxology for us, it's the future hope of sharing Christ's glory that sees us through all that, but it doesn't just help us cope with the present difficulty that we're facing. That's not what Peter's saying. So just hang on by your, he's not saying just hang on tightly by your fingernails because someday heaven's coming. That's not the idea that Peter's trying to communicate in this prayer. It's, it's not about coping. And how many of us would just be real honest and say, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm coping. You don't have to raise your hand. Maybe just acknowledge it in your spirit. Yeah, I am. I'm just, I'm just getting by. I'm just coping right life is hard emotions are sapped frazzled drained they're already in debt status there's more withdrawals that are trying to be made from us and people a whole bunch of people are just hanging on they're just coping and peter says uh-uh. it's not about just coping please don't just cope why Because you see, it's your destined calling that God's given you, which is to be with him forever, to praise him forever. 
that sees you through. And what we have to understand, we gotta get our heads and hearts around this, is that forever isn't just out there someday. Forever actually starts right here, right now. It's now. It isn't just heaven someday, we're just hanging on tightly until, no. Forever starts right now. Being with God, praising him forever, starts right now. No more coping. Because you see, if you're just coping, if you're just hanging on, if you can't fully be with God, if you can't fully worship him, that's not what, that's not what it's about. If you're just coping, you can't fully engage with God, see. Engaging with God then just becomes another obligation on an already stretched to-do list. Being with God can even become emotionally draining if you're just coping, And so Peter says, look, here's what you gotta do. You gotta live into, you gotta live into that future hope of being with God. You've gotta live into that future hope of praising him forever and ever. And while you live into that, you also live into this very present reality of everything God's doing right here and right now to replenish and to refill your emotional tanks because while someday is coming he's also doing these spectacular things right now filling us up today it's both and see it's someday and it's now and Peter tips his hand Peter acknowledges, look, I know that the calling to the glory of Christ Jesus has inside of it this present condition that is very, very unpleasant. It's called suffering. And he just says it. It's called suffering. You're going to suffer. Life is going to be hard. Life is going to be emotionally draining. Circumstances are going to bleed you dry day in and day out. It's the way it's going to be. God says it. Peter affirms it. And Peter calls us to look hard and stand firm in everything that God is doing. He says, look at what I'm asking God to do and look at what he is doing in our lives. So after you have suffered for a little while, after you've been emotionally depleted for a little while, and that's what this life is, right? It's just really, really short, like a mist, the scriptures say. He, God, will what? Restore and he will support, and he will strengthen you. As well, he will place you on a firm foundation. Life's hard, Peter says. It's emotionally exhausting, emotionally draining. Lots of times your emotional energy tanks, they're gonna be empty, but someday God is going to restore you. Someday he's going to support you. Someday he's going to strengthen you. Someday he's going to place you on a firm foundation. Someday all of that stuff is going to be completed. It will be finished in its entirety, all of its fullness. No more emotional debt status. In that sense, it's heaven. When all that is wrapped up, when all that is completed, when all of that has been handed out, here it is, that's heaven. That's the eternal glory of Jesus Christ. It's coming someday. And it's not just someday. In the meantime, it's right now. All those things are right now. So after you've suffered for a little while, like right now, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation right now. It's coming someday, and it's happening right now. 
when you feel frazzled, when you feel emotionally bankrupt, when you feel burned out, God's in the process of restoring you right now, supporting you right now, strengthening you right now, placing you on his firm foundation right now. God is in the process of lifting you up right now, sustaining your life moment by moment by moment. He's seeking and he is crediting your emotional bank account right now. And I love the way that Scott McKnight says this. God's grace starts and sustains the energies required. It's him. It's him. It's what he's doing. It's who he is, the God of grace. And God's grace starts and sustains the energies required to do much, much, much more than just cope. Much, much, much more than just to hang on as tight as you can by your fingernails, try not to lose any ground. But rather, it's enough to have emotional margin. To not live in constant emotional debt status. It's him. And it's everything that he's doing. You don't just have to try harder to be more emotionally strong. Please don't walk out these doors today and go, okay, I just need to, Try harder to fill up my, it's him. He's doing it. And he's doing it because it's who he is at his very core. He is the God of grace and mercy. And Peter drives, drives, drives at that in chapter 5, verse 10. He's a God of grace. And it doesn't matter what he's called us to, no matter how deep our emotional debt is, no matter how dry the well of emotional energy is, no matter how emotionally spent we may feel, He is the God of grace and he's in the process of bringing us all to the end that he desires for us. And sometimes we wonder, like, how is all of this gonna end? We think about our lives and we survey our lives and we assess our lives. It's the start of a new year. Lots of people are doing that. We're like, man, how is all of this going to end? We trust him with the end because he's in the process of bringing us to the end that he desires for us, which is his future glory. It's nothing you have to earn. The end result really has been willed to us by God. Get that. And when something's been willed to you, you don't really have to think about it, do you? You just walk into it. It's been willed to us by God. We don't have to worry about the final outcome because the God of grace has promised his eternal glory and he's gonna deliver on what he's promised. Which means that on those days and in those moments when you wonder, do I have the emotional stamina to face another one of those encounters? On those days and in those moments when you're tempted to give up, throw in the towel, be reminded that God in all of his grace has appointed us for everything that we're enduring, for everything that we're experiencing, Even everything that we're suffering under, God's appointed that to us. And his strength and his power is what's sustaining us until that fantastic, glorious end that's been willed to us. It's coming and it's now. He's filling us now and he's going to fill us to overflowing then. Are there some ways that we can actually partner with God in building emotional margin back into 
our lives. I call it on your notes page, a few keys to restoring emotional margin. And the first one is this one. And this is a fantastic way to start a new year. Is to spend time, you wanna build emotional margin into your life, you spend time in God's word, not hit or miss, not sporadically, the word is every day. You spend time in God's word every single day, not just for information, but for transformation. I really believe to my very core that this is the primary way that God works to credit our emotional bank accounts and thus build emotional margin into our lives. It's him changing us, it's him speaking to us, it's him challenging us, it's him shaping our lives through his word. There's a really familiar passage of scripture in the book of Hebrews, lots of people will recognize this, but it talks a lot about how God's word works in our lives. For the word of God, Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It's not just some old book. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Whoa. That's God's word. That's the scripture. And now here's what's true. Every single one of us feels stuff. Show of hands if you've felt something emotionally in the last week of your life. Yeah, that's just about all of us. The rest of you are in a coma. And so what we all know, what we all experience is we have these emotions, right? Sometimes we have good emotions, sometimes we have bad emotions. And the struggle lots of times is what in the world do I do with these emotions that I'm having? What do I do about these emotions that I'm having. How do I move forward in these emotions that I'm feeling, especially how do I move forward in these emotions in ways that honor God? Sometimes it's real easy to move forward in ways that dishonor God, but the goal is to move forward in our emotions in ways that actually honor Him. Now I wanna be really, really clear. Feeling stuff, please hear me say, feeling stuff is good. Feeling stuff is good. God gave you, gave me, gave us emotions. He gave that. It's the way God wired us, put us together. You do not ever want to go through life numb to feelings. Going through life numb to feelings has a word that describes it. You know what it is? Misery. Going through life numb to feelings, that's called misery. Feeling stuff is quite good actually. The trouble comes, however, in knowing how to subject what we're feeling to God. Subject what we're feeling to his heart, to his plans, to his authority. How do I do that? And Hebrews 4.12 says, here's how you do it. Here it is right here. God's word does that. God's word subjects what it is that we're feeling to his heart, his authority, his will, his plans, his everything. And it does it in incredibly powerful ways, ways that we cannot even fathom. Cutting through, cutting through like a two-edged sword. And lots of times we carry deceit around our emotions 
lies around our emotions, stuff that masks what's really going on beneath the waterline there. And Hebrews says, look, God's word exposes the very deepest stuff imaginable. God's word exposes and brings to light our very deepest emotions. It bears it all to the light of the truth of God. And get this, allows God to give what we're feeling context. The word of God allows God to give what we're feeling context as well as next steps that bring him glory, that honor him. And when we subject our emotions to God's will, when we subject our emotions to God's plan, that actually builds emotional margin. Because you know what sucks emotional margin more than anything? Is just stewing on stuff. When we have these emotions and we just carry them and stuff them and ignore them and deny them and cram and cram and cram and cram. I don't know what to do with this, so I'm just gonna stuff it here in this backpack and I'm gonna wear it and I'm gonna fill it and fill it and fill it. When we're stewing on stuff, emotional margin just goes away. And God says, uh-uh, just subject it to me, subject it to my word. And we build emotional margin when we have God-honoring plans for how to walk out what it is that we're feeling. Now, opening up your Bible at the beginning of the book, the book of Genesis, and starting in Genesis chapter one and just reading the Bible so that you can say that you read the Bible won't, won't accomplish that transformation. It will not accomplish subjecting your emotion and what you're feeling to God and his will and his word. We want to instead read for transformation. God, what are you saying to me here about what it is that I'm feeling? And God, what is it that you want me to do about that? Those are the questions that help us build emotional margin through God's word because they subject the very real stuff of our lives, the real stuff that's going on, the real stuff we're feeling to God's word, to his authority, to his plans, and then it sends us out on the other side to walk them out in his way. And we're not just carrying it anymore. We're not just stuffing it. We're not just ignoring it anymore. God's speaking to us about what it is that we're supposed to do with that, which is why Starting right now, we're laying down a challenge. Bible Challenge 2014, call it whatever you want to, but we're inviting the whole Journey Church family to read through the entire New Testament in 2014. The entire New Testament in 2014. I started this week, some of our staff started this week, some of our families started this week, and we're inviting every single one of you to join us starting Right now, Bob's gonna have the details for you at the close of our time together, how to get that Bible app that we're using, etc. And remember, we're not just reading for information. This isn't just a, you know, let's put on our running shoes and we're gonna run through the whole New Testament in a year. Yes, we are gonna read the entire New Testament, which is really, really cool. But the way bigger deal is that we're aiming for transformation. God, how do you want to use your word in particular to build emotional margin into my life. A few weeks ago, several weeks ago actually, I gave you this learning circle tool to help you process what it is that God is digging out with you. And you can do this very thing in your every single, I put this on your notes page by the way. 
you can do this very thing in your daily reading. That's the challenge, actually. That you would come up with this kairos, this bam moment where God is speaking directly to you. God, what are you saying to me right here, right now, from your word? What is it? God, what's the big idea that you have for me? And then you just run right around the learning circle. What's God saying to me through his word? And you observe. And you ask the what question when you observe, right? What? What is it exactly that I'm feeling? You want to talk about your emotions? What is it exactly that I'm feeling? And that's kind of an arm's length question. What is it? Just simply identifying it. You're just naming it there. But the next spot, reflecting on it, actually brings it right in here. Remember, the reflection is the why question. So I'm feeling angry, but why am I feeling angry? That's the reflection. And this is where, remember, the real God deals with the real you. The real God deals with the real you when you actually reflect on it. God, what are you saying? I'm observing in light of what you're saying. I'm reflecting why. You've got people in your life who you should be in discussion with about that. Here's what I think God's saying to me. Get up next to some people. Do it together as a group, as a small group, however you want to do it. And then talk about it. What's God saying to me through his word? This is the repentance side of the circle. Yep, there's course correction stuff that God is wanting to do in me. God's wanting to render change in my heart and life. And then we move over to the believe side, the act side, the like let's get going side. And then how am I going to respond to what he's said to me through his word? And then we get busy making plans. Here's a plan. And remember, it isn't just your best plan, it's God's plan. God, what do you want me to do? about this and then it's accountability these same people you're discussing with you're probably talking to about okay here's my plan and here's what I'm going to do and they're going to come back to you and they're going to say how's that going how's your plan going and then we're actually going to do it we're just going to act so every day we're going to wake up I don't care when you do it you can read early in the morning you can use the learning circle early in the morning maybe you're an afternoon person or maybe you're a night person And you're going to get up every day and you're going to say, okay, God, what are you saying to me from your word? And then what do you want me to do about it? And then you're going to go do it. And then the next day, you're going to wake up and you're going to say, okay, God, what are you saying to me through your word? And you're just going to build this pattern 365 days into your life. And just imagine... Day by day, but let's just talk about building emotional energy, building emotional margin into your life. As God fills up dry tanks, as God replenishes you, as he sets your feet on his firm foundation, because you're hearing from him, because you're doing what it is that he's asking you to do. Now some of you, you think you've been ripped off today because I'm talking about one thing and there's like 12 or something on your notes page. I'm sorry. I leave it to you and God to walk through some of those other things on your notes page. Some of them will be self-explanatory. Others are a little cryptic. You and the Lord can engage with them as you'd like to through the week. Take your stuff and set it aside. And I just invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads. I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes and bow their heads right now because we're going to do this kind of brutal, honest confession time thing in just a second.
Every head is bowed, every eye is closed, including mine. I'm not even looking around. Nobody's looking around this room. Would you just as a declaration to the Lord, would you just make this brutally honest confession right now if you believe in the year 2014 that you need God to build some emotional margin back into your life. Would you just raise your hand right now? Nobody's looking around this room. This is just you declaring to God. Raise your hand. Just slip your hand up. You can do it fast. You can do it slow. You can hold it up. You can put it back down. doesn't matter. Would you just declare to God that you know that you need to build emotional margin back into your life. You need God to do that this year. My hand's up. I get the sense that lots of hands got raised just there. Now will you keep your heads bowed and eyes closed and I just want to paint a picture. Of what I think God wants to do. Just imagine over the course of the next 365 days God adding emotional margin back into your life bit by bit, day by day, moment by moment as you allow yourself to be transformed by Him. In particular by His Word washing over your heart and life and soul and being. It's a few minutes every single day for the next 365 days. It's you not just reading His Word, it's you engaging with God through His Word. Asking and answering those two questions. God, what is it that you're saying to me from this scripture? And God, what is it that you're asking me to do about what you're saying to me through this scripture? And run it through the learning circle. And just imagine the difference in emotional margin when your emotions are subjected to God's authority. Imagine how different life could be if you had a context and if you had a plan for walking out those emotions. Just imagine the sovereign and supreme God of the universe processing everything that you feel with you, giving you application for what to do with all of that. He's the God of grace. That's what he longs to do in you, for you. Imagine 365 days of living into the future hope of being with God, praising Him forever, as well as experiencing right here and right now everything that He's already doing to refill and replenish and restore emotional margin in your life. God, all of our gratitude is due to you for being such a God of grace and mercy and kindness. And God, we want to be emotionally healthy people. We don't just want to be 100% tapped out 100% of the time. 
We want to have margin. We want to have spare resources available for those moments when you tap us on the shoulder and say, you know, I got an assignment for you. When you prompt us to love somebody, serve somebody, give to somebody, go out of our way to endure inconvenience for somebody. God, we want our all, our everything to honor you. And we think that being 100% tapped out 100% of the time dishonors you. And so God, hear our hearts. Say, I'm in. I'm going to engage in this Bible challenge the next 365 days. I'm going to, to the very best of my ability, have a daily encounter with you, God, via your word. And hear our hearts just cementing that decision with you right now, God. Yep, I'm in. I'm going to do this. God, we can't wait to see how you change us. How you change me. How you change our church. How you change our community, our valley. Because we're having an encounter every single day with the God of the universe. showing up, eyes wide open, ears wide open, hearts wide open, saying, God, speak to me. God, speak to all of us.